Hi, welcome to Sleep Cove, the place to come for a great bedtime story, with me, Christopher Fitton. Tonight, I am reading out more Norse Viking myths. I love these Norse stories, and I am rereading and remastering this book, as I think these stories are magical and timeless. We've all heard of Thor, Loki and Odin, but to hear the real tales behind these gods of old gives me a warm, cosy feeling. The stories tonight focus on Odin, who learns that the future of the world is at stake. He wanders the earth in search of wisdom on how to stop this disaster. You do not need to have heard the earlier tales to follow these stories tonight, but I will leave links to the other parts of the book in the description. I want to thank everyone who has been leaving great reviews on Apple Podcasts. Wolf Dude says, Every day and night. I listen to this podcast every night and almost at some point in the day, every day. It really helps me with my anxiety, as well as putting me to sleep. His voice is so soothing. I've listened to other nighttime podcasts to help me go to sleep, and this is my favourite one, and I find it to work the best for me. Thank you, Christopher. Well, thank you for your really nice review. I want to say thank you to everyone who leaves a great review. I read everyone, and if this podcast helps you, please leave a 5 star review on Spotify and Apple, and if you think the podcast would help someone you know, please recommend Sleep Cove to them. So please, get cosy and comfortable. And let's begin. The Children of Odin the All-Father's Forebodings, How He Leaves Asgard. Two ravens had Odin All-Father, Hagin and Menin were their names. They flew through all the worlds, every day, and coming back to Asgard, they would light on Odin's shoulders and tell him of all the things they had seen and heard. Once a day passed, without the ravens coming back. Then Odin, standing on the watchtower, Helidskiaf, said to himself, I fear for Hugin, lest he come not back, but I watch more for Menin. A day passed, and the ravens flew back. They sat one on each of his shoulders. Then did the Allfather go to the council hall that was beside Glacier, the wood that had leaves of gold, and hearkened to what Hagin and Menin had to tell him. They told him only of shadows and forebodings. Odin or father did not speak to the dwellers in Asgard of the things they told him, but Frigga his queen saw in his eyes the shadows and forebodings of things to come. 
and when he spoke to her about these things she said, do not strive against what must take place, let us go to the holy gnolls who sit by Erda's well and see if the shadows and the forebodings will remain when you have looked into their eyes. And so it came that Odin and the gods left Asgard and came to Erda's well, where under the great root of Yggdrasil the three Norns sat with the two fair swans below them. Odin went and Tyr the great swordsman and Baldir the most beautiful and the best beloved of the gods and Thor with his hammer. A rainbow bridge went from Asgard, the city of the gods, to Midgard, the world of men, but another rainbow bridge, more beautiful and more tremulous still, went from Asgard to the root of Yggdrasil, under which was Erda's well. This rainbow bridge was seldom seen by men, and where the ends of the two rainbows came together, Heimdall stood, Heimdall with the golden teeth, the watcher of the gods, and the keeper of the way to Erda's well. Open the gate, Heimdall, said the Allfather, open the gate, for today the gods would visit the holy Norns. Without a word, Heimdall opened wide the gate, that led to that bridge more coloured and more tremulous than any rainbow seen from earth. Then did Odin and Tyr and Baldur step out on the bridge. Thor followed, but before his foot was placed on the bridge, Heimdall laid his hand upon him. The others may go, but you may not go that way, Thor said Heimdall, what, would you, Heimdall, hold me back, said Thor, yes, for I am the keeper of the way to the Norns, said Heimdall, you with the mighty hammer, you carry, are too weighty for this, the bridge I guard would break under you, Thor, with the hammer, Nevertheless, I will go visit the Norns with Odin and my comrades, said Thor. But not this way, Thor, said Heimdall. I will not let the bridge be broken under the weight of you and your hammer. Leave your hammer here with me, if you would go this way. No, no, said Thor. I will not leave in anyone's charge the hammer that defends Asgard, and I may not be turned back from going with Odin and my comrades. There is another way to Erda's well, said Heimdall. Behold these two great cloud rivers, Kormt and Ermt. Canst thou wade through them? They are cold and suffocating, but they will bring thee to Erda's well where sit the three holy norms. Thor 
looked on at the two rolling rivers of cloud. It was a bad way for one to go cold and suffocating, yet if he went that way he could keep on his shoulder the hammer which he would not leave in another's charge. He stepped out into the cloud river that flowed by the rainbow bridge. With his hammer upon his shoulder he went struggling on to the other river. Odin, Tyr and Balder were beside Erda's well when Thor came struggling out of the cloud river, wet and choking, but with his hammer still upon his shoulder. There stood Tyr, upright and handsome, leaning on his sword that was inscribed all over with magic runes. There stood Balder, smiling, with his head bent as he listened to the murmur of the two fair swans, and there stood Odin Allfather, clad in his blue cloak fringed with golden stars, without the eagle helmet upon his head, and with no spear in his hands. The three Norns, Uda, Vendandi and Skelda, sat beside the well that was in the hollow of the great root of Yggdrasil. Uda was ancient and with white hair, and Vedali was beautiful, while Skelda could hardly be seen, for she sat far back and her hair fell over her face and eyes. Erda, Vedani and Skelda, they knew the whole of the past, the whole of the present and the whole of the future. Odin, looking on them, saw into the eyes of Skelda even. Long, long he stood looking on the Norns with the eyes of a god, while the others listened to the murmur of the swans and the falling of the leaves of Yggdrasil into Erda's well. Looking into their eyes, Odin saw the shadows and the forebodings that Hugin and Manin told him of take shape and substance, and now others came across the rainbow bridge. They were Frigga, Sif and Nana, the wives of Odin and Thor and Baldur. Frigga looked upon the Norns. As she did, she turned a glance of love and sadness upon Baldur, her son, and then she drew back and placed her hand upon Nana's head. Odin turned from gazing on the Norns and looked upon Frigga, his queenly wife. I would leave Asgard for a while, wife of Odin, he said. Yeah, said Frigga, much has to be done in Midgard, the world of men. I would change what knowledge I have into wisdom, said Odin, so that the things that are to happen 
will be changed into the best that may be. You should go to Mimmer's well, said Frigga. I would go to Mimmer's well, said Odin. My husband go, said Frigga. Then they went back over the rainbow bridge. And this is more beautiful and more tremulous than the one that men see from earth. They went back over the rainbow bridge and the Isir and the Asinir, Odin and Frigga, Baldur and Nana, Tiar with his sword and Sif besides Tiar. As for Thor, he went struggling through the cloud rivers, Kromt and Ermt, his hammer Mjolnir upon his shoulder. Little Anessa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard was there, standing beside Heimdall, the watcher for the gods, and the keeper of the bridge to Erda's well. When Odin, Allfather, and Frigga his queen, went through the great gate with heads bent, tomorrow, Anessa heard Odin say, Tomorrow I shall be Vegtam the Wanderer upon the ways of Midgard and Jotunheim. Part 2 Odin the Wanderer Odin goes to Mimmer's well, his sacrifice for wisdom, and so Odin, no longer riding on sleep near his eight-legged steed, No longer wearing his golden armour and his eagle helmet, and without even his spear in his hand, travelled through Midgard, the world of men, and made his way towards Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. No longer was he called Odin or father, but Vegtam the Wanderer, He wore a cloak of dark blue, and he carried a traveller's staff in his hands. And now he went toward Mimmer's well, which was near to Jotunheim. He came upon a giant riding on a great stag. Odin seemed a man to men and a giant to giants. He went beside the giant on the great stag, and the two talked together. Who art thou, O brother? Odin asked the giant. I am Vaft Thrudner, the wisest of the giants, said the one who was riding on the stag. Odin knew him then. Vaft Thrudner was indeed the wisest of the giants and many went to strive to gain wisdom from him. But those who went to him had to answer the riddles Vaft Thrudner asked, and if they failed to answer, the giant took their heads off. I am Vegetam the Wanderer, Odin said, and I know who thou art, O Vaft Thrudner, 
I would strive to learn something from thee. The giant laughed, showing his teeth. Ho, ho, he said, I am ready for a game with thee. Dost thou know the stakes? My head to thee, if I cannot answer any question thou wilt ask. If thou canst not answer any question that I may ask, then thy head goes to me. Ho, ho, ho. And now let us begin. I am ready, Odin said. Then tell me, said Avathrudnir, tell me the name of the river that divides Asgard with Jotunheim. Ifling is the name of that river, said Odin. Ifling, that is dead cold, yet never frozen. Thou hast answered rightly, O wanderer, said the giant, but thou hast still to answer other questions. What are the names of the horses that day and night drive across the sky? Skinfaxe and Hrimfaxe, Odin answered. Fafthredna was startled to hear one say the names that were known only to the gods and to the wisest of the giants. There was only one question now that he might ask before it came to the stranger's turn to ask him questions. Tell me, said Vafthredna, what is the name of the plain on which the last battle will be fought? The plain of Vigard, said Odin, the plain that is a hundred miles long and a hundred miles across. It was now Odin's turn to ask Vafthredna questions. What will be the last words that Odin will whisper into the ear of Baldur, his dear son, he asked. Very startled was the giant Vafthredna at the question. He sprang to the ground and looked at the stranger keenly. Only Odin knows what his last words to Baldur will be, he said and only Odin would have asked that question. Thou art Odin, O wanderer, and thy question I cannot answer. Then, said Odin, if thou wouldst keep thy head, answer me this. What price will Mimir ask for a draught from the well of wisdom that he guards? He will ask thy right eye as a price, O Odin, said Vafthredner. Will he ask no less a price than that, said Odin. He will ask no less a price. Many have come to him for a draught from the well of wisdom, but no one yet has given the price Mimir asks. I have answered thy question, O Odin, now give up thy claim to my head, and let me go on my way. I give up my claim to thy head, said Odin. Then Vafthredna, the wisest of the giants, 
went on his way riding on his great stag. It was a terrible price that Memia would ask for a draught from the well of wisdom, and very troubled was Odin or father when it was revealed to him, his right eye, for all time to be without the sight of his right eye. Almost he would have turned back to Asgard, giving up his quest for wisdom. He went on, turning neither to Asgard nor to Mimir's well, and when he went towards the south, he saw Maspalfheim, where stood Sutur with a flaming sword, a terrible figure, who would one day join the giants in their war against the gods, and he turned north, he heard the roaring of the cauldron, Helgelmir, as it poured itself out of Nilfhelm, the place of darkness and dread, and Odin knew that the world must not be left between Surtur, who would destroy it with fire, and Nilfhelm, who would gather it back from darkness and nothing. He, the eldest of the gods, would have to win the wisdom that would help to save the world. And so, with his face stern in front of his loss and pain, Odin Allfather turned and went towards Milner's well. It was under the great root of Yedrasil, the root that grew out of Jotunheim, and there sat Mimir, the garden of the well of wisdom, with his deep eyes bent upon the deep water, and Mimir, who had drunk every day from the well of wisdom, knew who it was that stood before him. Hail Odin, eldest of the gods, he said, then Odin made reverence to Mimir, the wisest of the world's beings. I would drink from your well, Mimir, he said. There is a price to be paid. All who have come here to drink have shrunk from paying that price. Will you, eldest of the gods, pay it? I will not shrink from the price that has to be paid, Mimir, said Odin, or father. Then drink, said Mimir. He filled up a great horn with water from the well and gave it to Odin. Odin took the horn in both his hands and drank and drank, and as he drank all the future became clear to him. He saw all the sorrows and troubles that would fall upon men and gods, but he saw too why the sorrows and troubles had to fall, and he saw how they might be born so that gods and men, by being noble in the days of sorrow and trouble, would leave in the world a force that one day, a day that was far off indeed, would destroy the evil that brought terror and sorrow and despair into the world. Then, when he had drunk out of the great horn that the mere had given him, he put his hand to his face 
and plucked out his right eye. Terrible was the pain that Odin Allfather endured. He made no groan nor moan. He bowed his head and put his cloak before his face as Mimir took the eye and let it sink deep, deep into the water of the well of wisdom. And there the eye of Odin stayed, shining up through the water, a sign to all who came to that place of the price that the father of the gods had paid for his wisdom. Odin faces an evil man. Once when his wisdom was thus great, Odin had lived in the world of men. Frigga, his queen, was with him then. They had lived on a bleak island, and they were known as Grimnir, the fisherman and his wife. Always Odin and Frigga were watching over the sons of men, watching to know which ones they would foster and train, so they might have the strength and spirit to save the world from the power of the giants. And while they were staying on the bleak island, Odin and Frigga saw the sons of King Rauding, and both thought that in them the spirit of heroes could be fostered. Odin and Frigga made plans to bring the children to them, so they might be under their care and training. One day the boys went fishing, a storm came and drove their boat onto the rocks of the island where Odin and Frigga lived. They brought them to their hut, Odin and Frigga brought them to their hut, and they told them that they would care for them and train them through the winter, and that in the spring they would build a boat that would carry them back to their father's country. We shall see, said Odin to Frigga that night, we shall see which of the two can be formed into the noblest hero. He said that because Frigga favoured one of the boys, and he favoured the other. Frigga thought well of the older boy Agnar, he had a gentle voice, and quiet and kindly ways. But Odin thought more of the younger boy, Jared, his name was, and he was strong and passionate, with a high and a loud voice. Odin took Jared into his charge, and he showed him how to fish and hunt. He made the boy even bolder than he was, by making him leap from rock to rock, and by letting him climb the highest cliffs, and jump across the widest chasms. He would bring him to the den of the bear, and make him fight for his life with the spear he had made for him. Agner went to the chase too, he showed his skill and boldness, but Jared overcame him in nearly every trial. What a hero Jared would be, Odin would often say,
Agner stayed often with Frigga. He would stay beside her while she spun, listening to the tale she told and asking such questions as brought him more and more wisdom. And Agnar heard of Asgard and the dwellers in Asgard, and how they protected Midgard, the world of men, from the giants of Jotunheim. Agnar, though he did not speak out, said in his own mind that he would give all his life and all his strength and his thought to helping the work of the gods. Spring came, and Odin built a boat for Gerard and Agnar. They would go back now to their own country, and before they set out, Odin told Gerard that one day he would come to visit him, and do not be too proud to receive a fisherman in your hall, Gerard, said Odin. A king should give welcome to the poorest who comes to his hall. I will be a hero, no doubt of that, Jared answered, and I would be king too, only Agner Littlegood was born before me. Agner bade goodbye to Frigga and to Odin, thanking them for the care they had taken of Jared and himself. He looked into Frigga's eyes, and he told her that he would strive to learn how he might fight the battle for the gods. The two went into the boat and they rowed away. They came near to King Hrauding's realm. They saw the castle overlooking the sea, and Jared did a terrible thing. He turned the boat back toward the sea and he cast the oars away. Then, for he was well fit to swim the roughest sea and to climb the highest cliffs, he plunged into the water and struck out towards the shore, and Agnar left without oars, went drifting out to sea. Gerard climbed the high cliffs and came to his father's castle. King Rounding who had given up both of his sons for lost, was rejoiced to see him. Gerard told of Agnar that had fallen out of the boat on the way back, and that he had been drowned. King Orelding, who had thought both of his sons were gone from him, was glad enough that one had come safe. He put Gerard beside him on the throne, and when he died, Jared was made king above the people. And now Odin, having drunk from them as well, went through the kingdoms of men, judging kings and simple people according to the wisdom he had gained. He came at last to the kingdom that Jared ruled over. Odin thought that of all the kings he had judged to be noble, Jared would assuredly be the noblest. He went to the king's house as a wanderer, blind of one eye, wearing a cloak of dark blue and with a wondrous stuff in his hands. As he drew near the king's house, 
men on dark horses came riding behind him. The first of the men did not turn his horse as he came near the wanderer, but rode on, nearly trampling him to the ground. As they came before the king's house, the men on the dark horses shouted for servants. Only one servant was in the stable. He came out and took the horse of the first man. Then the others called upon the wanderer to tend their horses. He had to hold the stirrups for some of them to dismount. Odin knew who the first man was. He was Gerard the king. And he knew who the wise man who served in the stable was. He was Agnar, Jared's brother. By the wisdom he had gained, he knew that Agnar had come back to his father's kingdom in the guise of a servant, and he knew that Jared did not know who this servant was. Then he went into the stable together. Agnar took bread and broke it and gave some to the wanderer. He gave him two straw to eat himself on. But in a while, Odin said, I would seat myself at the fire in the king's hall, and eat my supper of meat. Nay, stay here, Agnes said, I will give you more bread, and a wrap to cover yourself with. Do not go to the door of the king's house, for the king is angry today, and he might repulse you. How? said Odin. A king turn away a wanderer who comes to his door. It cannot be like that. He wouldn't do it. Today he is angry, Agnar said. Again, he begged him not to go to the door of the king's house. But Odin rose up from the straw on which he was seated and went to the door. A porter hunched back and with long arms stood at the door. I am a wanderer, and I would have rest and food in the king's hall, Odin said. Not in this king's hall, said the hunchback porter. He would have barred the door to Odin, but the voice of the king called him away. Odin then strode into the hall and saw the king at table with his friends, all dark-bearded and cruel-looking men, and when Odin looked on them, he knew that the boy whom he had trained in nobility had become a king over robbers. Since you have come into the hall where we eat, sing to his wanderer, shouted one of the dark men, I will sing to you, said Odin, then he stood between two of the stone pillars in the hall, and he sang a song reproaching the king for having fallen into an evil way of life, and announcing all for following the cruel ways of robbers. Seize him, said the king when Odin's song was finished. The dark men 
threw themselves upon Odin and put chains around him and bound him between the stone pillars of the hall. He came into this hall for warmth and warmth he shall have, said Gerard. He called upon his servants to heap up wood around him. They did this. Then the king with his own hand put a blazing torch to the wood, and the wood blazed up around the wanderer. The wood burned round and round him, but the fire did not burn the flesh of Odin or father. The king and the king's friends stood round, watching with delight as the fires blazed round a living man. The wood all burned away, and Odin was left standing there with his terrible gaze fixed upon the men who were so hard and cruel. They went to sleep, leaving him chained to the pillars of the hall. Odin could have broken down the chains and pulled down the pillars, but he wanted to see what else would happen in this king's house. The servants were ordered not to bring food or drink to him, but at dawn, when there was no one near, Agnar came to him with a horn of ale and gave it to him to drink. The next evening, when the king came back from his robberies, and when he and his friends, sitting down at the tables, had eaten like wolves, he ordered the wood to be placed around Odin, and again they stood around, watching in delight, the fire playing round a living man, and as before, Odin stood there, unhurt by the fire, and his steady and terrible gaze, made the king hate him more and more, and all day, he was kept in chains, and the servants were forbidden to bring him food or drink. None knew that a horn of ale was brought to him at dawn, and night after night, for eight nights this went on. Then on the ninth night, when the fires around him had been lighted, Odin lifted up his voice and began to sing a song. His song became louder and louder, and the king and the king's friends, and the servants of the king's house, had to stand still and hearken to it. Odin sang about Gerard, the king, how the gods had protected him, given him strength and skill, and instead of making a noble use of that strength and skill, he had made himself like one of the wild beasts. Then he sang of how the vengeance of the gods was about to fall on this ignoble king. The flames died down, and Gerard and his friends saw before them, not a friendless wanderer, but one who looked more kingly than any king on the earth. The chains fell down from his body, and he advanced towards the evil company. Then Gerard rushed upon him with his sword in hand to kill him. The sword struck him, but Odin remained unheard. 
thy life runs out, the gods they are wroth with thee, draw near if thou canst, Odin thou shalt see, so Odin sang, and in fear of his terrible gaze, Gerard and his company shrank away, and as they shrank away, they were changed into beasts, into the wolves that range the forests, and Agnar came forward, and him Odin declared to be king, all the folk were glad when Agnar came to rule over them, for they had been oppressed by Jorod in his cruel reign, and Agnar was not only kind, but he was strong and victorious in his rule.